Hey, it's Alana, and here's another episode of Black and Yellow coming at ya. Digital hugs and warm hellos to everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm happy to have you back with me today. If this is your first time here, welcome to the Black and Yellow Nation, which is what I lovingly call this digital community we've created here on the show. I hope you subscribe to never miss a new episode, and then I hope you kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Because you know this world is crazy and Thanksgiving is next week, so you absolutely deserve some chill time before the holiday chaos and craziness. And oh yeah, the Black Friday chaos and craziness. How could I forget about that? If you're a return listener, thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate it. And I got a fire conversation to bring to y'all today. I'm so excited for today's chat with award-winning culture writer Tayo Barrow. She wrote a fantastic and painfully all-too-real article for Refinery29 called How Steve Harvey Birthed a Generation of Black Male Relationship Experts and Why Black Women Follow Them. Yes, let that sink in. The article talks about a long-standing problem in the Black community where self-appointed so-called relationship experts dole out chauvinistic degrading patriarchal dating advice to one of the world's most vulnerable dating demographics, Black women. These non-experts tend to be overwhelmingly male, cisgender, and heterosexual with spotty relationship histories, shall we say. These relationship histories have been riddled with divorce, infidelity, deceit, and emotional abuse. Not only are these shitty cishet relationship fools taking advantage of Black women by breaking them down and demonizing them, they're making serious cash while they do it. Uh, In prep for this episode, I took a very scary deep dive down a YouTube black hole, successfully fucked up my algorithm, and watched videos by these men, men like Kevin Samuels, Derek Jackson, Umar Johnson, and Tariq Nasheed, and was truly stunned by how much money these men were being paid by fans in real time to essentially be denigrated and embarrassed and spoken down to by these men who claim to be helping them or worse, keeping it real with them. Oh, and let's not uh, overlook this point. It wasn't just a clear hatred of women being displayed by these men. Oh, there was also a little bit of queer phobia, some xenophobia. How about some colorism? Ageism was present as well, ableism. And oh yeah, just a really sick and twisted joy of pitting women against each other. And you know, the thing that really grinds my gears about these men is the fact that in the dating world, the odds are already stacked impossibly high against Black women. As stated in previous episodes, in the digital dating sphere, Black women fare far worse than their white, Asian, and Latinx counterparts. And us Black women just live in a world where we're constantly underappreciated, underpaid, told to fix ourselves to unfair and impossible standards to find love and acceptance. And when we decide to look within our own community for help, a little bit of guidance, 
maybe a little bit of a leg up to help us find love. It is absolutely enraging to know that there are these types of men on the internet, in our community, willing to take advantage of us for their own selfish gains. Watching these videos on YouTube, I couldn't help but think about the women who are turning to these men and believing what they have to say. And just so we're clear, these men are doling out information via various social media platforms, but you can also book their time and have a private session. And so these women who are booking private sessions with these men, I do wonder what those must be like. Because if these men are so willing to easily make deeply misogynistic statements, like for women, accountability is like kryptonite. And if you raise your standards for what you want in a man, there will be consequences. Imagine the kind of verbal lashings they're getting behind closed doors with no one around. I think part of the brilliance of Tayo's article, which I will link to in show notes because it's definitely worth a read, is that she traces the rise of the how to find a good man industrial complex. I love that. Back to one person, probably someone that your auntie or your uncle thinks is hilarious and just tells it like it is. Someone who has been on LA radio, what feels like my entire life. And if you are an LA millennial, you might feel a very similar way. That person is the one and only Steve Harvey. I know black millennials, I can feel the side eyes and heavy sighs already. We're going to have a great conversation about this article. Tayo is here. But before we get into today's conversation, y'all know what time it is. It's time to put our money where our mouth is. So if you are a new listener to the show, this is my small business segment where I like to encourage you, dear listeners, to shop Black, to shop Asian, to diversify your dollars in as many ways as possible. You have a choice when you buy, and that choice is a vote. Where you spend your dollars is essentially a marker of where you uh, put your morals, where you uh, put your beliefs, who you choose to support. And if you are someone who has been wanting to support Black and Asian cultures, Black and Asian companies, help to enrich those local or national communities, this is definitely a segment for you. So I like to spotlight one Black-owned company and one Asian-owned company who I like, who I think that you guys should check out, or even better yet, shop with. Because, you know, we're putting our money where our mouth is, right? So for my Black-owned company, I chose Blondery. On the socials, they are at Blondery, B-L-O-N-D-E-R-Y. And so I know that brownies get a lot of love in the dessert world, but don't sleep on a blondie. A good blondie will make your day. If you're not sure what a blondie is, uh, think about a brownie minus the chocolate substituted with vanilla. They are bomb. And my favorite blondies are from Brooklyn-based Black-owned bakery, Blondery. Blondery is a limited-release cloud bakery that ships nationwide. So basically, they rotate their flavor offerings during the year, and all options are completely delicious. If you are a listener who is also gluten-free, don't trip. Blondery has got you covered. 
Blonderies blondies are as pretty as they are delicious, which makes them great gifts. I love sending them to my colleagues and I have never had anyone tell me that they were angry for receiving these blondies via mail. So treat your sweet tooth right and head on over to blondery.com to get you some blondies. And for my Asian-owned business, I chose Asha Pops, A-S-H-A-P-O-P-S. On the socials, they are at Asha Superfoods. And uh, this is a mother and son team, Asha and Jai Farswani, who teamed up to create a really filling superfood snack made from popped water lily seeds. I had to lean in a little bit further. My interest was piqued when I heard about this snack, since I'd actually never heard of popped water lily seeds and the food lover in me cannot resist trying something new. And so just so that we're all on the same page here, popped water lily seeds are the seeds of a water lily plant grown in India. And they're recommended by ancient Indian holistic healing science. And they've got Ayurvedic properties and they're super delicious. They're a little uh, popped, um, I would almost think about the consistency of like a pirate's booty, if you will, sort of light and airy, full of protein. And Asha Pops combines this, this ancient superfood with modern flavors. Think chili lime and vegan cheese and ooh, turmeric garlic. And they've even got sweet with the dark chocolate. And uh, it's just a really healthy protein-laced snack. Great for this time of year. You know, there's a lot of indulgent food around, but we don't want to put on holiday pounds. I mean, if that's not what you're trying to do or you're start, still trying to lose the weight from uh, from quarantine, get a couple bags of Asha Pops and keep them someplace where you uh, can grab one really easily when a snacking craving sneaks up on you. I will drop links to both of these companies in show notes. And now let's get to today's conversation. Tayo Barrow is an award-winning culture writer and radio producer. You can find her work in publications like The Guardian, Refinery29, Teen Vogue, as well as on CBC Radio. Covering race, culture and the black diaspora, Tayo is committed to telling the stories of historically marginalized communities and shedding light on how race intersects with our wider culture. Tayo Barrow, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to the Black and Yellow podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I... Cannot wait to jump into today's conversation because your writing has it's, it has a fantastic way of answering questions that I didn't realize that I had. Um, and this particular topic is no exception. So to kick off this interview, why don't you tell my audience a little bit more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am a journalist. Um, I'm a writer and radio producer as well. Um, and so a lot of my writing kind of focuses on the intersections of like race um, and gender and just conversations about how um, blackness in particular intersects with like our wider culture. Um, so yeah, I'm very interested in always kind of talking about like pop culture and other things happening in the like wider um, media space and and how they kind of relate to our experiences as Black folk. Thank you for that. Uh, I feel like this is a, a, a uniquely Black experience type of episode. I don't know if, if this sort of problem exists in other cultures. I'm sure it does. But you published an article in June of this year called How Steve Harvey Birthed a Generation of Black Male Relationship Experts and Why Black Women Follow Them. 
I got to tell you, the title got me to click, but the content got me to stay and read it and reread it many times over. I loved the article. It was it was a painful read, but it was really necessary and it was beautifully written and sort of cringy and reflective and all of the right ways. So kudos to you for a job well done and thank you for putting it out into the world. Uh, I want to know what made you write this article. Um, yeah, so I think I was just we were kind of moving through a time in the culture where I felt like we were seeing a lot more of these kind of like quote unquote, and I'm putting air quotes around experts, <laughs> um, but these black male relationship experts, and they were just becoming more and more famous, but also kind of infamous because of course mm. there's so many critiques that you could level against these men and kind of the um, the rhetoric that they spew and the angle that they take to talking thinking about relationships between men and women. Um, but yeah, so I think I felt like we were just seeing so much more of them coming up on the scene. In the article, I talked about Derek Jackson. Um, I also talked about um, a little bit about Steve Harvey, of course, who I, I, I say like this all kind of goes back to him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also Kevin Samuel um, and even Dr. Umar. Like it sounds funny because I think he's kind of become one mm-hmm. of those figures in the culture um, who we've now kind of gotten used to laughing at, but um, <laughs> yeah, yes. but in That's a lot true. of ways, yeah, he's kind of become like that memeified figure, but um, he, he too also has a role to play in this dynamic. Um, and then I think, I think like a man, they had just put it back on Netflix and I was wa- watching because I'd watched it years ago and I was like watching it and I was like, oh my God, like this is where, this all kind of comes from Mm -hmm. um so those two things kind of collided for me at the same time and I was like okay like I had that kind of light bulb moment of yeah like this is kind of what this is rooted in um and where that comes from wonderful uh let's jump right into it for those who don't know talk to me about the phenomenon of the black male dating expert who is he How did he rise to prominence among Black women and in the culture at large uh, by dishing out uh, this really terrible advice, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to me about this particular person and how he rose to prominence. Yeah, so these Black male relationship experts, like I said, I feel like they're becoming even more and more popular these days. just with the rise of like YouTube um, and different like mm. like social media platforms, but I think ultimately it comes down to you know a black man who has a reasonable um, or kind of strong like online following um, who focuses their whether it's their content or their work around t- giving relationship advice specifically to women, specifically to Black women. Um, and the conversation, you know, kind of typically revolves around how to get a Black, a good Black man, a good quote-unquote Black man, or mm-hmm. how to keep a Black man, um, or what you're doing wrong that you haven't yet found a Black man. So it's like all of those kinds of conversations um, being like spearheaded by these black men who have kind of named themselves experts at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, just with YouTube and, you know, Twitter and Instagram popping off, 
in the last like decade, I would say, um, these men have kind of found a really good platform to promote themselves. So, you know, back in the heyday of like, think like a man, like when the book came out, all we had was like TV and the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there's like YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and all of these different platforms that can help kind of um, help them get their word and their message out and also give them some kind of like popularity and fame at the same time. Um, so yeah, all of those things kind of happening at once over the last decade um, have really helped them become like a like central figures in the culture. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Steve Harvey made a lot of money off of Think Like a Man, both the book and the movie. It was a huge cash cow for him. And the the uh, find a good man industrial complex, as you call it, uh, mm-hmm. amazingly in the article, is actually a niche part of the dating industry that has only gotten more lucrative since Steve Harvey's Think Like a Man. And I'm just curious, like, why do you think this particular niche of the dating industry uh, continues to just be really, really lucrative for the, these men? Um, I think ultimately because there is an audience for it. Like there is a market for it. There's an audience of Black women who have been told from when they were children um, that, you know, you need to follow certain steps in order to be able to find a good husband. Um, or, you know, that the goal or the ultimate kind of be all end all, you know, is to find a man, settle down and get married. Um, so, you know, having that kind of being taught those lessons from a very young age, you know, women are finding themselves in their 20s and 30s and 40s, you know, looking around and going, my life doesn't fit into, you know, this perception of what a thriving, successful Black woman's life is supposed to look like. Um, And so what am I doing wrong? Where can I go to find, um, you know, advice or um, counsel on how to fix what I'm doing wrong? Um, And so, you know, again, the, the kind of coming together of, you know, Black women being taught and socialized from a young age that the ultimate goal is to find a Black man. And then simultaneously having this culture of, you know, um, kind of being taught that these Black male figures are author- can act as authorities mm-hmm. on these issues, those two things coming together make it very um, kind of, you know, easy to build this, this industry around relationship advice that these men have been able to. Yeah, I in prep for this episode, I uh, thoroughly jacked up my YouTube algorithm by <laughs> looking <laughs> by watching basically just binge watching Kevin Samuels and Dr. Umar Johnson and Derek Jackson videos. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, in the comment section, it is not uncommon for these men to be getting paid in the comments, either by cryptocurrency or like someone hitting up their cash app or something mm-hmm. and paying them in real time. So maybe whereas back in the the Steve Harvey heyday, I think like a man, he was making a lot of money, but we weren't seeing it. It was really startling to see mm-hmm. just how much money in real time these men were making by either bots or women, or I, I, I'm not entirely sure the um, legitimacy of some of these followers, but I was gobsmacked by the amount of money they were making by dishing out this really chauvinistic, misogynistic relationship advice. 
Uh, you talked about the role that Steve Harvey played in all of this. And I was wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about what was happening culturally during the the Steve Harvey Think Like a Man heyday. Was there any sort of messaging that he was capitalizing on at the time? Um, yeah, I think like Steve Harvey was somebody who I think was always kind of well positioned to take on this role of the um, black relationship expert because <laughs> he, you know, for um, you know folks who will remember, he had the Steve Harvey Morning Show um, that he would do, and so it was that was actually mm-hmm. the beginning of what started out as like this kind of like jokey, and he tilts like he said it himself, like this kind of started out as as a joke, um, the Ask Steve segments of the Steve Harvey Morning Show where he would just kind of you know give out advice, a little bit tongue in cheek, like you know, and it was just a fun thing to do. Um, but then he started to realize and notice that people were actually taking this advice and taking it seriously. Um, so he ran with it. So I think he, you know, during that time, again, this would have been like the early mid 2000s um, where his his star was really rising in terms of just his, you know, popularity and um, establishing himself, not just as like a stand up comic from the 90s, but also now, you know, a, re- a bona fide like me- media person who can you know who has his own talk radio show and um and is doing all these great things and had the suit line I think he had the suit <laughs> line then and had all, all those things going I on. I forgot about um, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely a moment. Um, but so yeah, he had all of these things going on, and I think he kind of just capitalized on you know, the positioning that he had within the culture of, again, like, we're kind of taught that these, um, you know, these larger than life, loquacious, you know, big personality, um, funny, interesting Black men um, can be kind of, you know, authorities on, you know, whether it's love or relationships or whatever it is. And again, this is something that's also rooted in like Black the culture of the black church Mm -hmm. um you know where pastors and religious figures were kind of considered like these all-knowing like this is who you go to to you know to get your advice and to find counsel and to know and learn and understand how to move through the world so i think you know coming from for a lot of black women coming up in that era coming out of that church being raised in that church culture that told them that these types of figures are the ones to go to when you need help, I think was also kind of really helpful for positioning Steve. Um, And yeah, there just, there weren't a lot of places that black women could go to find relationship advice as well. That really spoke specifically to them within the mainstream media. Um, So all of those things kind of coming together, I think made it just like a prime moment for him to kind of step into that role um and then you know see all of these people years later kind of coming in after him and doing the same thing yeah um i i live in los angeles i've lived here my entire life uh if you are an la native you pretty much have probably and 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 are a millennial you've probably grown up with Steve Harvey somewhere on your radio waves or somewhere yeah. like in the back of your mind for as long as you can remember I heard about 9-11 from Steve Harvey I was listening mm. to that morning show that you were talking about it it was during the ask Steve section that his 
ah, female co-host. I forgot her name is slipping my mind, but it was during that segment that she came on and said, hold on, breaking news. A, a plane just flew into the World Trade mm. Center. To which Steve was like, what? That's ridiculous. And there was a bunch of us that basically heard Steve Harvey in real time making mm. fun of this event that would then go on to be this massive national tragedy. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I understand 100% what you're saying about where he's coming from and also just his position to really rise and shine um, among what I call our black aunties and uncles, pretty much. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so these these black male quote unquote relationship experts are peddling pretty toxic, sexist, sometimes depending on the, the relationship expert that we're talking about, queer phobic, homophobic relationship advice specifically aimed at black women. And most of it is framed as these men are helping them or they're educating black women when in reality they're denigrating and making money off of them. And, and it feels like nothing more. And yet some black women are listening to them with eyes wide open and ears wide open. And my question is, why are some black women falling victim to these men? And do they feel like they're gaining something from this advice? Um. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think ultimately, again, like it comes down to that question of like how Black women have been raised and socialized to A, see marriage as kind of like this end goal that they have to accomplish in order to, you know, live a worthy life. Um, but also just even looking at what the dating landscape looks like um, oh. for Black women, like it is brutal. Um, and there's a ton of you know, statistics and numbers just about how, you know, Black women are performing when it comes to, or not performing, but how, what they're experiencing mm -hmm. um, within the dating scene compared to their white and, and other, uh, other non-Black racialized people, um, what they experience within the dating scene. So they're kind of, you know, already fighting against, you know, racism, misogynoir, like all of these things that they're experiencing on the dating scene. Um, while also being told that, you know, dating and ultimately marriage is something that they have absolutely have to aspire to. So I think, again, you know, being taught that these kind of male figures are the ones that, that we can look to for advice and, and look to to kind of tell us what to do and also give us insight into the ways that men think because I think that's a huge selling point for a lot of these figures is like this idea that we're giving you an inside look into men that you wouldn't otherwise have right in order mm -hmm. to help you figure out how to deal with men so you know who better to give you that advice than a man who you know ultimately wants the best for you and your relationship life um so you know all of those factors I think make it make black women really susceptible to you know not just seeking out this kind of advice because again it just doesn't you know we're not having these conversations in in the mainstream we're really having them amongst ourselves but you know seeing these figures that we've been told to look at as legitimate mm -hmm. um you know say like hey here's what you can do and here's what i would tell you as a man as a quote-unquote good man um, and here's how to find, you know, other good men. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of those things kind of make Black women really susceptible to seeking out that advice, but also believing the messaging that they're hearing. 100%. And I, I, I think there's a part of me that wonders how much of this is generational, because I do think that Steve Harvey spoke to our aunties and uncles. And so some of his mm-hmm. followers, I feel like, uh, speak to a generation that's just a little bit older than, I, than us. I, I believe you're a millennial like me. Am I right about mm-hmm. that? Okay, yes. okay. I, I had the, that feeling. Um, and I, I think back to the, the relationship and dating advice books that were big in the 80s and 90s, things like Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, mm. that really perpetuated this notion of men and women, here's how we're different. If you don't mm. believe it, you're going to fail in relationships. But if you can understand these things, then you'll be fine. I th- feel like it's a further capitalization and really driving home like, no, 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 men and women were super different. And I think that you, I think you said in your article, these shitty cishet men who we've been uh, led to believe hold these cheat codes mm-hmm. with, when it comes to men and how to understand them. I sadly do think there is still a generation of women out there that truly believe that we are just so radically different. And without those cheat codes, they'll never find a man, which breaks mm-hmm. my heart. Um, I want to follow up to what you said regarding marriage, because Kevin Samuels, two failed marriages under his belt. Mm-hmm. Derek Jackson got caught in a cheating scandal. I believe Umar Jackson is divorced as well. If black women, if for black women, marriage is our goal, then what's the goal for these men and men like them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that that's a really good question. Um, and it doesn't seem that there really is a goal. Like, I think men, again, in the ways that we, in the difference in how we socialize boys and girls and also men and women, you know, women are taught to see marriage and, um, you know, relationships as, and men as the prize um, and as the goal for them to attain in order to be, you know, to to claim that they've lived a good life. But I think for men, that standard is very different. And it's, mm-hmm. very, it's, it's a lot. Um, yeah, they're just that standard just isn't there when it comes to men. And I think all that really is expected of men is just to exist um, and to, you know, to occasionally um, to occasionally chase and to, to exist and to receive. And I think that's essentially kind of the framing that that men have been taught um, is normal when it comes to how we think about relationships. Um, so yeah, there really is no expectation when it comes to you know how you have to perform in order, or you know, yeah, the ways that you have to perform in order to make yourself worthy of a relationship. Men aren't being taught any of those things. Um, yeah, they're not being told, you know, this is the kind of person you have to be for you to find a good woman in the way that, you know, girls are constantly being told, here's a list of things Mm -hmm. you need to do and be and say. Um, otherwise you won't be, you know, you won't find a husband. So yeah, I think there's, there's radically different expectations of men and women when it comes to, you know, what's, what's required of them, um, in relationships. Could not agree more. That's why we have a generation of incels who feel mm-hmm. like a women's a woman's place is in the kitchen and the bedroom and pretty much serving them. And if there's a, and if we are doing anything other than that, then we are a problem to them. I 100 percent agree with you. 
uh, let's segue away from the men. Let's like stop talking about these shitty cishet men for a second. <laughs> let's talk about the women. Because we do live in a world, as you've touched on before, that tells Black women that they are in need of fixing. Our dating landscape for Black women is particularly treacherous. And we live in a digital dating era that for Black women, as you've said, studies have shown that Black women fare far worse than their white, Asian, or Latinx counterparts on dating platforms. We live in a world that constantly undermines and undervalues Black women. So it's especially disheartening when that same treatment comes from within our own community. And my question is, what are some ways to fight back against this intra-racial misogynoir in our community? How can we protect each other from these non-experts? Um, yeah, I love non-experts. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, um, I think, yeah, like having the conversations. Like, I think we really need to be thinking critically about who we elevate as a culture and who we allow to be, you know, named as experts on anything, really. Um, and also, you know, again, it, it really does go back to how we socialize and and teach um, our children that, you know, this is what a relationship is supposed to look like and these are the things that you need to do. Or, you know, in a lot of cases for boys, there's, you know, there's not a lot that you need to do, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, like I think having those conversations and really rethinking as a generation, um, like how what what kinds of values do we want to pass on to the next generation? What what do we want to teach them about what it means to show up um, when it comes to relationships and what's required of you or shouldn't be required of you um, in order to be worthy of love? Um, I think those are the big like those big fundamental questions have been so misanswered and so distorted um for many black people from a young age that you know it's hard to kind of do that rewiring um and so you fall into kind of seeking out the same kind of messaging that you heard when you were younger because it makes sense and because it's familiar and because you know that blueprint um, but i think if we as a generation can kind of rewrite that blueprint um and you know pass on new kinds of messages and new kinds of conversations and new ways of thinking about what we deserve to have when it comes to love as Black women, um, I think that will make all the difference. That is the best dating advice I have heard on this show <laughs> or in prep for this show thus far. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. I think that's 100% dead on the money. I think the big question of how do you want to show up in relationships is a question that I think that we know exists and is on the surface, but we don't necessarily mm -hmm. always do the hard internal work. But I think it's really, really critical and super important. So thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to end this on a call to action to any woman who is listening. What are some ways that we can spot a toxic relationship expert and any mm. piece of those pieces of advice for avoiding these sick and twisted individuals? I am yeah. truly asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think um, ultimately you can, like in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of easy to spot these um, to spot these men because we have um, like I think for the most part, you know, a lot of us do have that intuition. Like something isn't like something is off about this guy. Like thinking about, I think I might have mentioned this in the piece, but like Derek Jackson, like 
something about him just rubbed me the wrong way and I couldn't figure out what it was but I was like you sound like you're selling something um and this does not feel legit this does not feel like there's just something about this that doesn't feel real and I think a lot of the times we ignore those instincts because you know we're so desperately seeking answers or we're so just in need of like some someone who we can connect with um, who can give us insight that we wouldn't otherwise have mm-hmm. um, I think we need to start also think thinking of ourselves just like as people I think as people we we all have you know a sense of what it is that we want and need out of relationships and I don't think we need um, I think we can do a little bit more to trust ourselves and trust that instinct that like deep like way deep down knows what it is that you want out of a relationship and knows what it is that you deserve in a relationship and knows just exactly how you're willing to you know show up in relationships and I think we don't always need that like I think we we get taught that we need that outside voice to like validate those instincts mm-hmm. um, but what ends up happening is like they those voices like these you know non-experts um they end up kind of (laughs) opposing those instincts or like crushing those instincts and I think we can do like we can do work to kind of you know trust ourselves a little bit more um and really be guided by like our own needs and wants and like desires and understandings of ourselves um than these characters who you know really like ultimately are selling something to an audience that they're hoping to manipulate in some way so mic drop moment we can't actually drop a mic y'all it would be terrible for your ears but (laughs) i (laughs) i i have to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule tayo to sit and chat with me about this today it has been a joy to have you on the show thank you so much for stopping by Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It was lovely to talk to you. The article is called How Steve Harvey Birthed a Generation of Black Male Experts and Why Black Women Followed Them. I'll be linking to this article with other of Tayo's writings in show notes. It's great. You guys got to check it out. And uh, I'll be back next week with another great episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, guys. That is the show for today. I am Alana Webster. This is the Black and Yellow Podcast. If you want to follow me slash the show across the socials, at Black and Yellow Podcast uh, on IG or at Renegade of Fun. That's my personal IG handle. If you want to send me an email telling me all of your deepest, darkest secrets or make suggestions for upcoming episodes, podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com is the place to do that. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss an episode. And those rates and reviews really help to push this show along, get it more exposed to a a larger audience. Uh, So please, any rates and reviews help. I would love to chart with this show. Other than that, I'll be back next week with a conversation with Dr. Holly Richmond. She's got a fire new book out about how to survive sexual trauma and thrive. You don't want to miss it. I love you guys all. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.